If you'd like to learn about a revolutionary strategy that has everything to do with weight loss, but nothing to do with training, nutrition, or supplementation, then this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show is for you. Welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, where each week you'll hear the real world experiences, life lessons, and guided principles that every highly driven man needs to master, their health, productivity, and relationships by sharing conversations with the world's most successful people in fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindset. Meet your host, Benjamin Brown. He is a fitness and nutrition expert, consultant to Fortune 500 companies and world championship sports teams, a husband and father of three, and has been helping men transform their physiques, optimize their energy, and own their fatherly mission since 2005. Thank you for joining us today, and without further ado, let's jump right in. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 71 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Today on the show, I bring on James Tonyarini. James is a strength and conditioning coach for the last eight years and has worked with various levels of competitive athletes and general population alike. Through training, lifestyle management, and nutrition, James has managed to create an individual environment of success for every one of his clients. Obsessive about research and learning, as you'll hear, the goals preached in James' gym and office are all about educating clients. His main area of expertise revolves around taking the complex and making it simple, a man after my own heart, breaking down principles into forms that are applicable to whomever is in front of him. And that's what we do in this show. We talk about the numerous experts in the field that James is continuing to learn from, what he's gleaned from these experiences, where he's traveled, why it's been so relevant for him in his career and for his clients and athletes, and further delve into some of the principles and application of nutrition and training, as well as talking about one major component that's absolutely necessary for improving health, longevity, and happiness, as well as quality of life that has nothing to do with training, nutrition, or supplementation. So make sure you tune in, listen all the way through, and as always, I hope you enjoy. Assuming you do, then hey, do me a huge favor and please leave a positive rating and review. Share this with someone that you think could benefit because it is the best way that we can get our message across and help more people around the world make smart nutrition simple. Thanks so much. I'm so grateful and appreciative to have you taking the time to listen in. And with that said, hope you enjoy. James, welcome to the show. What's up, brother? Nothing much, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate being on here. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Uh, we we crossed paths maybe a couple years ago at Kilo Strength Society event, a hypertrophy boot camp, and I've been meaning to catch up with you, and so I'm glad we had the opportunity to get you on the show. You've been all over the place uh, the last couple weeks. What's been going on in your world? Oh, man, uh, <laughs> so much. Yeah, I just got back from uh, Flow Retreat Center in Costa Rica with uh, the awesome, powerful uh, Dr. Ben House. Um, which is basically just a haven for strength coaches, functional medicine guys, and everyone to come together and learn and train in the jungle, essentially. Paint us a picture of, of what that place looks like, because I, I wanted to make it out for that retreat. But, you know, for people that are not familiar with Dr. Ben House, um, kind of what has he created out there? So once you get past um, the enormous trek to the top of the mountain where he's at, right? You're, you're kind of smack in the middle of this, this rainforest. Um, you basically find yourself in somewhat of a, of a little haven kind of tucked away in the jungle. Um, 
you have an, an awesome open area where everybody kind of shares some stories and, and teaches each other things like, can I breakfast, lunch, and dinner tables? And then you have the classroom, which is a, a place of its own, man. Uh, he brings out speakers from, from all over. This year we had, um, he started off, we had uh, Dr. Brian Walsh come in for three days nice. uh, and, and basically just come in and be like, yeah, what do you guys want to know about? And then go off on so many different things on deep in mitochondria, PhD talks, so many cool things. Um, Mike T. Nelson spoke there as well. Uh, and then in the midst of it, we always have a little bit of a break where we smash some weights in the weight room yeah. together, a bunch of challenges on that front. Uh, and then the second week was training. So we had Dr. Pat Davidson come in. Uh, we had Zach Couples come in. We had Lucy Hendricks come in uh, and throw together an amazing course on PRI, uh, a bunch of movement clinic stuff, uh, getting clients to, to understand how their body is feeling, and a really cool dynamic and change on strength and conditioning from what I've seen in the past. Very That's cool. pretty cool. And in my experience with some of these, these events, I mean, any event where you can get a bunch of smart practitioners together, one of the best things, in my opinion, is just having the opportunity to just sit down and, and chill and work together with the other attendees and just bounce ideas back and forth. And it's one of the only times when, like, you're really in an element where, you know, you, you fuel off of each other but also like you're around all of these like-minded individuals, right? Whereas otherwise in our normal life, I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of outsiders to the degree that like we eat typically, you know, eat a lot better. We take a ton of supplementation. We're always training or training more intensely or more frequently than other people. And so when we get in these environments, it's just, for me, it's like, it's amazing and motivating because we get to surround ourselves with just these incredible like-minded people. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's, it's absolutely expanding. Um, that was one thing at the end of the, at the end of the two weeks there, we always get around, we gather around the table and we kind of go around and everybody talks about what they're grateful for, which I think is really cool too. Um, it's, it's a really big experience for everybody. And one of the things that I was talking about was every time I go to these courses, cause I like to travel a lot to learn and, and meet all these people is I'm always trying to tell myself, all right, you're going to go in there. You're going to try to absorb like a sponge, every single thing you can. And that's all you're going to focus on. And then what I realized afterwards was besides the classroom stuff, a lot of the education happened with everybody else. Yeah. Eating breakfast together, lunch, dinner, just hanging out by a fire. You, you get to see all these different people who do what you do in different ways and have so many other experiences with it. It's, it's amazing. Like that in itself is worth it just to go and meet everybody. Yeah, it is. It's nice. It's mind expanding and enlightening to know that there's people of the same vein that are positively affecting change in so many different ways. There's no one right way and, and someone else is using, you know, yoga and they're using plant-based and they're using different alternative methodologies to what you're using, but it's all, it's working brilliantly and maybe you're learning stuff from them. So what were a couple of like the big aha takeaways that you got from that retreat? I'm sure there were a ton, but maybe oh, just man. one or two. Narrow it down. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in love with uh, the biochemistry aspect mm. of, you know, of getting into training and physiology and things like that. So when Brian Walsh came in and spoke about uh, mitochondria at a super mm. deep level, it kind of, it was, it was super expanding in the sense that, you know, we, we understand the function of it and we know how important mitochondria and all that is. But uh, we got into a lot of details on why, you know, maybe mitochondrial support supplements and stuff like that might not be necessarily the way to go for a lot of people because there are so many other factors at play that we have to work with. So he, he kind of had us list out, you know, hey guys, if you had a client that came in 
and they were experiencing what you would, you know, dub as mitochondrial dysfunction, um, what are some things you would give them? So people rattled off the usual stuff, you know, CoQ10 and uh, carnitine and all these stuff like that. And then after we kind of went through a list, he flipped the board over and there was a, you know, a supersized mitochondria that we were looking at. Uh, and he was showing us exactly, you know, okay, we, this is where all these nutrients come into play, but there are so many precursors you need before that. So what is the organism, that individual doing? And are these things actually going to help? So it was, a, it was a really cool kind of back off from my experience of, you know, here's our problem. Let's see how we can get someone healthy, but supplements play a big role. And now we're thinking, you know, it might not be as big of a role as we think if we haven't checked off these boxes. Yeah, it's like a, it's like the difference between a, you know, a, a kind of a top down versus a bottom up approach and saying, well, we can, you know, we can try and, and get myopic with the supplementation, but what's happening from a, like a 30,000 foot view that could be directly impacting the mitochondria to the degree that, you know, it, it might just be fluff, you know, it might just not, not be the the main uh, component. And, and just um, to back up for one second, for those of you listening that for, for the people that listening that may not exactly know what mitochondria, maybe just a really quick explanation. Totally. Yeah. So if you want to think about it in terms of what kind of powers, um, cells, muscle cells in, in general, like that would be your mitochondria. So the mitochondria are these little organelles um, inside of cells that create energy. So when we talk, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh, I know that you can get energy from carbohydrates and I know you can get energy from fat. Well, those are kind of those big macromolecules. And then once we go through the processes of breaking them down, those little mitochondria are the guys that kind of eat them up and spit out ATP to make it very simple. Yeah, they're the it's like takes us back to you know sixth seventh grade biology. It's like they're mm-hmm. the powerhouse of the cell, right? They produce energy. Exactly. So um, that's awesome. I'm I'm actually uh, meeting or are going to Dr. Brian Walsh's uh, seminar at the end of the month here. So oh, nice. Yeah, he's doing his the functional medicine and family. Yeah, the, yeah. the functional medicine event. He's here in Phoenix, so I'm I'm really excited. I've been following him and his blood chemistry stuff for a long time. I'm really looking forward to getting to meet him and, and learn from him. So that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. It's cool. So mitochondria, big one, anything else that's worth mentioning? Yeah, actually what blew my mind specifically coming from like a, a strength and conditioning background that really followed uh, the kind of polyquinism uh, principles as well as like, you know, I mean, we met Aquilo, so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of Stefan Kezo and, and all of his programming things. Um, but Dr. Pat Davidson like blew my mind on yeah. training he's got a course uh, called rethinking the big patterns uh, and he's doing a second one, which is rethinking the big patterns too. And this was completely different from anything I've seen in terms of training, in terms of programming, in terms of movements and how you would classify movements, how you would coach movements, how you would get people to feel what they should be feeling. Uh, it was, it was absolutely incredible. Um, I would, I would suggest most people go look him up because from a coaching perspective, uh, that really changed my mind. Like you can, you can program super well and you can elicit some very good results through stimulating different things. But, you know, me writing a program for myself and me writing a program for someone who hasn't really lifted that much is two different things, right? They yeah. don't know what they should be feeling. And this was a, it was a perfectly broken down hierarchy of what should you be feeling in which movement, depending on the stance, depending on the plane of movement. It was, it was absolutely incredible. That sounds fascinating. I'll have to look into that. Um, Cool. That's really good stuff. So James, why don't you let, let's take a big step back and um, give us just a little bit of bio, you know, who are you? What are you, you know, how'd you get into strength and conditioning nutrition? What's all that look like? 
Oh yeah, cool. Um, so I'm uh, I'm just a guy from Montreal, man. Um, <laughs> that's that's that's, yeah. that's it done. Um, yeah. So I got into strength and conditioning um, probably about eight or nine years ago, purely just for like a, a part-time job. I, I was finishing high school. I was moving on to to in Quebec. We have what's called CJEP, which is kind of the intermediate between high school and, and university. Um, and I just needed a job. My brother had worked in a gym. And so he's like, yeah, you should do like this personal training certificate and do it because they're paying super well. And I had like a shitty job at the time. And these guys were paying like 16 or 17 bucks an hour for you to just watch a, a gym. So I was like, oh yeah, totally. I can do that. Yeah. Um, no other interest in it. And then, so I got that certificate when I was 16 um, and then slowly started falling in love a little bit more with the process, um, mostly because what I always loved to do was always, I always like to help people. I always like to have information and be able to, to tell people, you know, like, Oh, you can do this or you can do that. And then that kind of evolved uh, into me working maybe a couple years later at a private gym uh, and then saving up all the money I had to go to uh, Rhode Island to do those yeah. first PICP courses with, uh, with Stefan. Actually, he was, he was basically the first uh, strength, real strength coach that I met. Um, and we hit it off since then. And then throughout that, it's been uh, athletic development. Uh, I got into functional medicine and naturopathy about three years ago, and that really changed a big part of my practice as well, uh, which is now focused. I, I went from a lot more athletic training to kind of more general population training uh, now, and it's centered around that. It's centered around people who don't necessarily know what healthy is or they've, you know, they've been on you know, Instagram and Facebook like everybody else is on, and they kind mm -hmm. of get a false sense of what to do. I mean, everybody is posting up things or, you know, some companies where, oh, do, you know, fat loss in 10 days or a bottle of wine is the equivalent of working out for, for however many hours, like people. Right, right. Trip to fan. Um, so that kind of made me think, you know what, if I really like information and I really like helping people, the best thing I can possibly do is kind of learn as much as I can. I go out and meet great people and great coaches and in turn create a business where, no one has to guess at what they have to do where mm -hmm. we can gather. I can gather all the information and my team can gather all the information for them so that when they come in, you know, they might be doing just, you know, eating great, pro good quality proteins, veggies, and fats. But the real reason behind it, you know, we have that ammunition behind it where we're trying to get you as healthy as possible so that you can in turn see the results that you want to see. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and you have a degree, uh, a naturopathic degree, yeah, so I have my, my ND, um, although I, I was explaining to some people in Costa Rica as well. In Quebec, it's a little bit different. Um, it doesn't take a whole lot to do it. Uh, so I don't often call myself a naturopath because of some negative connotations here. So what I do is that's one of the big reasons why I travel and see guys like Brian and Mike T. Uh, is just to expand that knowledge as well. Well, yeah, regardless, you're obviously just based on our conversation and, and knowing you and, and the people that you study from, you're obviously know, you obviously know this stuff at a very high level, so much so that, you know, you're working with other coaches and, and teaching other coaches and, and what have you. But, but to, to titrate it down to just the general population who you said you enjoy working with, what are some of the considerations that you know, you put in place when you're designing a program for them and, and we can kind of just walk through, but I'd love to hear your thought processes around kind of training considerations for the general population. Um, then we can talk about nutrition considerations and then we can go into kind of some supplemental stuff. Totally. So training considerations is, is really cool because a lot of people are coming from uh, very different backgrounds. Um, depending on, on the client that I'm working with, because we can get you know, people anywhere from 20 years old to, you know, mid fifties, early sixties. Right. 
and the basis that they're coming from is very different throughout, right? So a lot of the main focus at the beginning is on movement. Um, so can you move the way we need you to move as well as do you have any limitations to what you can do? So I'm very lucky because uh, where I'm at, I, I work with my brother who is a manual therapist as well. He does ART mm -hmm. and KT and all that. Um, so we have a pretty cool dynamic of, you know, can we funnel people through this process of getting them to move to the standards we want to move with and then creating a program around there. Um, I'm still a very firm believer in, you know, the, the, programming style that Stefan does a kilo and, and the polyquinism style. So there's a lot of remedial work that we do with a lot of people, um, making sure that they can hit big movements. Can we get you to squat properly? Can we get you to deadlift properly? Can we get you to, you know, press and bench and move and run? Um, what are some, what are, what are kind of the average goals of the people that you work with? Honestly, I mean, general pop, you're always going to find 80% of it is going to be weight loss, right? Yeah. So the trick is, turning their, you know, quote unquote, weight loss goal into a specific goal of what they want to get. Because most people say weight loss, but a lot of people it's, I want to feel better. I want to sleep better. I want to feel good about myself, kind of look sexy and stuff like that. So once we get them to come out of their shell and say what they really, really want, we can start making them a little bit more accountable to those goals and let them know that, you know, this isn't really a dictatorship. This is, this is a guide. Yep. We together are responsible for these goals. It is not just you and it is not just me. So and most it, people go around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're and in your experience, how much of a role does the uh, structural balance, does the strength training, and, and to what frequency does that play into their weight loss goals? That's a good question. So I think for a beginner, um, I'm happy with like two times a week in the gym mm -hmm. for most people because what you're trying to do is, I mean, most people that are coming in that want weight loss, you know that you're putting them in somewhat of a calorie deficit. Um, yeah. And for them, it actually might be more than they're used to eating. But you know that if you're kind of in that deficit, you always have to worry about muscle protein breakdown. So two times a week in the gym for beginners is kind of where I'll start. The remedials are in there for two reasons. One, because they're easy to do. So there's not a whole lot of movement IQ you need at the beginning. We can get you stronger. We can get you to feel what you should be feeling. We can get a you know, burn on the muscles, which everybody kind of enjoys, while we work you up to feeling safe with big movements. So Typically what's going to happen is people feel accomplished because they've been in the gym. They feel like they can do a workout that's tough enough that they feel something, but easy enough that they can get through if they've never worked out before. And yep. usually from there, we'll see some postural changes as well. We'll see them walking a little higher. We'll see some low back pains go away, some shoulder pains go away as well. So it's, it's a lot of buy-in in that, at that phase. It sounds like what you're saying is that despite the fact that kind of the conventional wisdom lends itself to I mean, what's the first thing that someone thinks about when they want to go on, when they want to lose weight, right? They need to join a gym. They need to start doing some sort of intense training. Um, they need to hire a personal trainer. It's not necessarily wrong, but it sounds like what you're saying is it may not be the most important component of a weight loss program. Rather, it's something that can kind of support them in their journey while they implement the other considerations that we're going to talk yeah, about. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think when we kind of get into the details of what's the most important thing for, for weight loss or your goals in general, I, I think it's, it's a bit moot, right? Like a, where you want to start because the most important thing is going to be adherence. Mm -hmm. So if someone loves high intensity interval training and maybe they do it right, maybe they don't, it doesn't matter. If they stick to it for a decent enough amount of time and learn how that affects their goals, they're going to be successful with it, right? The yep. same way is there's people who are, are still huge on paleo or only do keto or, or vegans or whatever it might be. You can label it however you want, but people in each of these groups will still see amazing results depending on how well they can adhere to it over the long term. 
Yeah. We can start yeah. them in a zone where they immediately feel like they're accomplishing something. This is an easier task to do. Then as we start to ramp things up and dial it up a little bit, add some steps, add some goals, you know, I, I tend to see a much bigger success rate than, all right, we're going to cut all these things out right away. You have to only eat this way. You have to train five times a week, et cetera, et cetera. Cause we know obviously the more training you do, the better it's going to be. But asking, you know, someone who has never stepped in a gym before has a high stress job and, you know, can barely stay awake halfway through the day to exercise five times a week and, you know, cut out carbs completely or what, or, you know, what have you, um, is a lot to ask for a lot of people. And I, I think that's where a lot of failure comes from. Yeah, I like it. I mean, that's just focusing on compliance, wherever that they're, you know, they're willing to meet you, whatever their readiness for change is. I like it. That makes a lot of sense. Hey guys, I just wanted to interrupt this interview really quickly to let you know about a great resource that I created for you. Now, you've been hearing me speak a lot about the benefits of intermittent fasting, but more specifically about the five-day fasting mimicking diet. And since I've been getting so many questions about it, I'm happy to let you know that I created a free five-day fasting mimicking diet guide and detox plan to share with you on the exact strategies that I use both for myself and my clients, including how to implement a five-day fasting plan, which includes exactly what to eat and when to eat it, the inflammatory foods that you must avoid during the plan to quickly improve your digestion, why fasting is the fastest way to improve energy and initiate weight loss, which three specific nutrients to use to support optimal detox as well as five proven strategies to help you manage hunger during your fast. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, just check out the show notes to link to this five-day FMD guide. And if you're in front of your computer, you can download that immediately by going to go.bslnutrition.com forward slash FMD. So moving into some of the nutritional considerations, kind of how do you frame things? Where would you typically start someone? Um, you know, why don't we talk about that? Yeah. So nutrition is, uh, I love nutrition. Uh, it's fun because again, this falls into like the, you can, you can read as much as you want. You can learn as much as you want, but a lot of the application comes the same down to the same thing. Um, so a lot of people, we can pretty much say off the bat um, that are coming to see me or, or anybody else for, for weight loss aren't eating in the best fashion possible. We can say that pretty, um, pretty confidently. Yep. But what we need to do is, uh, or what I do most of the time is we try to just get kind of a day in the life of, of most people yeah. um, and start to get them to be more accountable. And the easiest way I tell them to do that is in this first, you know, first couple of weeks of having to come see me, um, I just get them to start writing things down. Just write down the food that you're eating. Whether it's good or bad, I'm not really concerned with it right now. I just want to see that you know what you're consuming. After which we're going to start to get into uh, quantities of what you're eating. So, okay, now what are the serving sizes of what you're doing? Um, do you feel okay with maybe weighing out some of your protein or things like that to see how much you're actually consuming? Following that, most people still here are, are usually pretty good. Again, we're, you know, I'll make some small suggestions. Hey, you should bring up your veggies a little bit. You should drink a little more water. Um, but typically just writing things down gets them to cut out a lot of the crap right off the bat. Yes, for sure. You know, like they're looking at it and I tell them like, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not here to get mad at anybody. I'm not here to like scold anybody. Right. I just want you to do it. And then they feel more compelled to be like, mm, you know, like, do I really want to write down that I'm having chips at night? Do I really want right. to write all this stuff down? So they tend to do a lot of that cleaning themselves. And even if they don't, once I start to mention it, maybe by that like fourth or fifth week, they're, you know, they're re more ready to, to get rid of it. Um, and then after that, it, it depends on, on how well they're doing. Sometimes I might tell them, all right, cool. Um, I might give them a goal of protein. 
some people might write them out a little meal template just in terms of quantity of things that they should be getting in. Because uh, most people don't want to get down to like 7 or 5% body fat, right? Most people just want to look better. And the people who do want to get super lean, then we might start getting into more advanced things as macros and stuff like that as time goes on. Yeah. But most of the principles are still the same unless uh, someone has any specific health issues, if they're diabetic, pre-diabetic, uh, blood lipid issues, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I find tremendous value in getting people to log their foods as a as a first step. I'm with you 100% there. And it's just helping people create more awareness. I talk about it all the time. And it it saves us the time and energy of saying, you know, eat this, don't eat that. But by virtue of people logging is yeah. then they're realizing, well, I didn't realize I was eating you know, all of these foods so frequently, or I was snacking so frequently, or I was drinking this much alcohol, or I was drinking this much sugar throughout the day. And it really helps people uh, create a level of awareness, accountability, and typically uh, create more consistency to the degree that like you said, then they want to take the next step of saying, well, now that I've been doing this consistently, I've already started to make some changes. I've already started to experience some results simply because I've stopped eating so much because I realized how much I was logging, then I'm ready to, okay, now I'm ready for you to tell me, I want you to tell me, right, how much yeah. I should be eating of each of these things. That's it. I mean, it, it gives them, I find that it, when I started doing that, I started doing that maybe, you know, a little over a year and a half ago, um, maybe longer, like they realized that they were mm -hmm. also in charge of what they were doing, which felt really good for them. Uh, and then it kind of changed my mind of how I interact with clients for certain seminars that we give at the gym, how we do it. Uh, and you know what? A lot of people used to say, they used to look at myself or other, or other people that we work with, other my colleagues, and say, oh, it's easy for you guys because hmm. you're in the gym all day or this is what you do. Right. It's not necessarily that. It's more about, you know, we know why we're doing these things. So if we can teach the clients basically the stuff that we know, if I can speak to you as if you were also, you know, someone studying nutrition and you understand the principles behind it, then you're going to be more likely to know why you're doing it and then therefore stick to it. Yeah. A yeah. lot of times that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. And, and we're doing it consistently and we've been doing it consistently for years and years and years. And it's not just something that, you know, is, is a, a 30 day, you know, nutrition plan. It's something yeah. that we're constantly working through and constantly uh, tweaking and learning from and experimenting with and, um, you know, helping people understand that you don't need to be perfect. We're not perfect, you know, mm. and uh, it's just the, the consistency that matters most, regardless of kind of which nutrition camp you're in. I was going to say, sorry, like how many times have you changed your ideas on, on what you're doing personally? Yeah. You know, like I've, I've, I've done dumb stuff also, man. Like, yeah. you know, you always change it. You try some stuff out. You see that it doesn't work. Sometimes you drink the Kool-Aid on something before, you right. know, doing some research and saying, well, maybe that wasn't the best thing to do. And that's, that's normal. Yeah. And I think it's especially normal earlier on um, when you first start learning about nutrition and first start practicing and you feel like you know so much that, you know, you have to be, at least I was, I, I was very dogmatic about my approach, almost a nutrition zealot to a degree. And then the more you start to learn and study and experiment and realize that the less you actually know, <laughs> the more there actually is to help people get success with. There's no one right way to the degree that now it's like, yeah, you can do a million different things and it doesn't really matter that much depending again on what our goals are and what we're talking about. So absolutely right there. Um, how do you approach, 
I, I guess when clients come to you wanting to, let's say, jump into or asking your opinion of the, of the most recent kind of fad diet or, or your views on that stuff, you know, how do you approach those types of things? Yeah. So that, that obviously because of the kind of social media age we live in, that, that happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, everybody has a friend who did something and it worked. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, a lot of times like the, the first thing that, that I kind of try not to do is try not to bash anybody's yeah. previous diets or anything like that. Cause that kind of, you know, creates like instant cognitive dissonance and all of a sudden they, they, they're kind of a little hesitant to deal with you cause you just kind of broke their beliefs down. So a lot of times, uh, it's just explaining, you know, basic nutritional science to a lot of people say, okay, well, you know, if you decide to be keto or you decide to be paleo and that's, that might be fine and that might work for you, mm -hmm. but, you know, why are you demonizing this nutrient for? Right. Uh, and then people will, you know, if they're on the keto train, they'll say stuff like, oh, well, you know, carbs are not good for you or the carbs mm -hmm. make you fat or et cetera, et cetera. We're going to say, well, you know, like that's not, that's not entirely true. So a lot of times when I have people on that start on diets that are very rigid like that, um, we'll tend to slowly titrate them in other ways. And the way I kind of approach that is say, Hey, you know, like this, this diet's been pretty difficult for you. Why don't we do like a couple weeks of just like a maintenance phase? Why don't we dial it back a little bit? You know, you've done so well so far. Uh, let's no, I don't want to use the word necessarily reward, but let's, let's chill out a little bit. And typically what will happen is, you know, I'll add some stuff in. I'll even tell them, you know what, listen, I'll take care of this. Just follow what it says on the paper and that's it. Um, we'll add in some things that they weren't having before in amounts that aren't huge, but mm -hmm. still make them realize that they're eating it. And generally nothing changes right. uh, unless you've gone from keto for, you know, for three years. And then all of a sudden you start smashing carbohydrates left and right. Uh, you'll see a difference in that for sure. But most people don't. And then they realize like, Hey, you know, like I had a carb refeed on the weekend and nothing happened. Some people, right. are, some people wake up leaner too. And yeah. that's always, that's the most fun text I, I ever get. It's like, I don't get it. I, I, <laughs> right. I ate sweet potato. And all of a sudden, like, you know, I feel so good and I'm lean. What is this black magic? Um, and then you, again, right. You don't want to, I don't want to tell people like, yeah, I told you so I'm thinking it, but I don't say that. You just kind of like, Oh really? That's interesting. Hmm. So yeah. does this mean you can maybe include this a little bit more? Um, cause that's the hardest thing, right? Everybody has things set in their mind. Uh, everybody loves labels, right? If, if they can find themselves in a group of other people that are doing the same thing as they're doing, Again, that's a very easy way to be adherent, to be successful. So we just got to take that same, you know, mindset of labeling and community and kind of put that into a practice where they can still see consistent success long-term. Yeah. I mean, we, it's, it's understandable. We all want a quick fix. Mm. And so when we, when we're scrolling through social media and we see the keto and we see the whole 30 and we see all the things that seemingly work well in the short term, you know, we're not taking into consideration how realistic it is long term. What are the repercussions? What's the after after, right? Yeah. And of course, we can do anything for 30 days and, and look great. But then what happens after that? What happens? We have to get back to the real world and, 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 and leveraging these things on a daily basis. So I, I like the fact that, you know, you talk to them about just understanding like, well, why is, how are these different Ultimately, they're just helping you control your calories. Now we can talk about health implications long term, but you know the research is very clear as far as there's no one diet that's better than the other. That's it's it. Better. Yeah, exactly. And the only times I, I kind of get a little bit more into the explanation of things being good or bad because I don't like to label it as much is mm -hmm. when we deal with athletic populations. Um, so, for example, I'm, I'm giving a talk at the end of the month uh, at a conference for athletic therapists, and they want to do some stuff on nutrition and supplementation because they don't really get that much of it. 
And one of the things we that, that they asked about for me to talk about was stuff like that, like keto and things like that. Yeah. Okay. But this is the only time where I'm going to get into get into it and say, yeah, this is not a good idea for high Absolutely. level athletes, right? I mean, you spoke to you've had a couple guys on the podcast talk about metabolic flexibility, right? Yeah, totally. So Mike, yeah, like, yeah, Mike included, and yeah. Yeah, it's it's very clear. Like this is just energy system demands, and and if we're completely eliminating, you know, product that that's a fuel source for our, uh, you know, one of our major energy systems for high intensity exercise. So, but to be clear, we're talking about a ketogenic diet and uh, the glycolytic needs of athletes that require these bursts of of and not just bursts of energy, but these short term energy. Level, yeah. yeah, that's right. Then. Keto is a bad idea. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, like this, that, that's where, where my limit is normally. I'm like, ah, I don't like saying things are good or bad. And then like that trigger will come up and like, all right, hang on. Yeah, that, I mean, that's legitimately, that's just, just a bad idea. But you know, otherwise, general population, like go for it. You plug it in, see how you feel. Absolutely. You're going to learn a lot about your body, how you feel, you know, what works well for you, what doesn't. And I absolutely encourage that as well. So let's, let's transition into kind of how you approach supplementation with your clientele. Um, are there any supplements that you feel are like must-haves and how do you approach that? Yeah. So um, when it comes down to supplementation, I feel like uh, I, I like to be a little bit careful about supplements, um, mostly because uh, people tend to overdo it on thinking that supplements are like the, the, the end-all, be-all, the certain things. And there are a ton of really good products out there um, that have great benefits for a lot of people, but we just got to kind of approach it differently. So Normally, what I'll do is I, I don't talk to new clients right off the bat about supplements right away because I want them to be a little bit more adherent about their nutrition and not think that they can slack if they're taking something, you know, taking a good uh, good supplement because it's always in addition, right? So Absolutely. my my main go-tos, um, so omega-3s are always a big one for me. Uh, multivitamins, uh, high-quality multivitamins are a big one for me. Uh, zinc and magnesium tend to be big ones depending on the, on the people. And then a high-quality uh, protein powder. Uh, or a good quality essential amino acids, but I know you know a lot about that. Right on. Um, yeah, so that those are those are the main ones that I'll typically go for, just because they tend to be things that people don't or won't get in high amounts, and over the amounts that they need on a regular basis. Um, it saves them from having to think too much about. Uh, you know, am I getting all my food quantity in? And even if I am, is the quality high enough? Because uh, you know, I you know, in Montreal especially, like it's winter friggin' nine months out of the year. Like it's, it's absolute crap. So <laughs> you're not kidding. It, it, it went from, from plus 12 Celsius to yesterday. we got 30 centimeters of snow. Like, Oh man, it's, it's absolutely, awful. absolutely ridiculous. So you're not getting good broccoli. Like, I'm sorry, no, no matter what you're doing, yeah. uh, nobody's getting anything good. So a lot of times this is where the supplements come in. Um, and it's mostly stuff to maintain proper health. Uh, I will get into specifics every now and then. So let's say we have someone um, who has issues with glucose disposal. Totally. We're going to get into some, some supplements that I like that help with that. Um, mm. As long as they're moving around enough that they're pulling energy through the system. Yeah. It's very, it's very dangerous. I think to, to tell people like, Oh, Hey, this is a product that helps with glucose metabolism or um, they say metabolism, but it's mostly disposal. Um, but they're not moving at all in the day. There's no energy demand being pulled right. through the system. So, you're just overloading cells with more glucose, which is just causing more damage. Mm -hmm. uh, this was something really cool. This, this was kind of uh, something that also Brian Walsh spoke about, um, I think it was last year as well, uh, about how insulin resistance too is or might be a, a mechanism of defense that your body has. 
So a lot of people talk about insulin resistance as like this, this thing you have to avoid at all costs, where it's like, oh, you know, there's an old school Paulican way of doing it. Whereas this person insulin resistance, yeah, give them 30 grams of fish oil. Sure. And see if you can sh- shuttle everything in. Um, as well as a lot of healthcare practitioners that do the same thing. Like they just try to get you as insulin sensitive as possible, which would be great if the organism was functioning really well. But most of the time we know that people t- are not functioning well. They're over consuming energy and they're under utilizing. There, there's no That's demand great. to create it. Uh, yeah. And we find that even if you try to improve insulin resistance at the level of the cell, and, you know, there's a lot of research being done on like the, the small little aspects of like the activators of GLUT4 and all these pathways um, improving their function. And yet the cell will still end up insulin resistant because it's a protective mechanism. Right. So it's super cool. So that's why those ones I, I'm a little bit careful of if the person is not moving around. But otherwise, if we fix, you know, the nutrient intake, if we fix, you know, the fatty acid profile, stuff like that, most people will be off to a really, really great start. Um, and they will continue to see benefits throughout like their entire, you know, weight loss journey and further. Well, that, that goes right back to kind of what you're talking about originally with the mitochondria is like this top down approach of saying, yeah, we can improve, try and improve insulin resistance at the cell with, with supplements, or you could just start strength training and moving around consistently, which we know increases insulin, uh, insulin sensitivity mm-hmm. at the cell. So, I mean, how much value is it there to just say, get people doing, and I like how you just outlined basically kind of some of the foundational supplements that are likely to, to help at the very least, just kind of prevent deficiencies, aid in, in cellular functioning and cellular health process. And then in terms of like protein powder and essential amino acids, like just helping people probably get in enough protein, aid their workout needs, um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's usually the go-to mostly because we can see the most amount of benefit for the least, uh, least cost and least amount of, you know, pills taken. Uh, I find that the very specific general ones are good when they're needed, but again, most of the time, you know, clients either don't know what they need or practitioners might be overzealous and, giving them very specific supplements. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good on point. Um, let me ask, so, so we'll wrap it up here in a second, but I want to ask kind of, so we covered training, nutrition, supplementation, uh, really good points there. What are a couple things that people could or should be doing that would help them improve their health, their longevity, their happiness uh, that have nothing to do with the, the things we just discussed? Oh man, I love this. Um, Okay. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people that, that'll come see us in the gym and I'm sure that comes to you, that they're coming for that extrinsic factor of, can I eat better? Can I train more? What can I do on the outside? Um, but there's so much that we started talking to people about on the inside of uh, just gratitude and being present to your thoughts and things like that that are super important. Uh, and it's, it's funny to talk to people about meditation um, and gratitude a lot because it's, it's so foreign to so many people and they're not sure. And they always, what was the quote that I saw the other day? It was something like, um, people will think that, that, you know, being happy will make them grateful, but in reality, being grateful makes them happy. Uh, And and I, something like that, I I might be messing it up, but that's the gist. Uh, And I love that because it's, it's something that I think that a lot of people need to do. So most of the time, you know, people are coming in that they're, you know, overstressed, um, they're undersleeping, they're unhappy, you know, maybe in their life and relationships and stuff like that in their job. And then they think that eating some broccoli and some chicken is going to make the biggest difference in, in their health where, you know, that's where we run into a lot of problems. So um, 
I, I, I just wrote an article about it and I posted a video about it a little while ago on stress management and identifying stress specifically and where these things can come from. So I think what's, what's really important for a lot of people, especially when they come to see me for the first time, is I usually have them start with uh, a grateful journal um, just to write you know, three things down that they're grateful for in the, in the morning, in the evening, or both if they feel really good with it. And then incorporating uh, apps like Headspace, um, if they're down with uh, guided meditation, um, there might be some, some uh, meditation centers or Zen centers in their city as well. And this kind of builds them into the community aspect of finding people that can support you and finding a space where you feel really good. In. And that's kind of one of the, the, the biggest and kind of underspoken factors of success in, in health and fitness in general. Um, you know, there, there are people that you can see on, on Facebook and Instagram that have just decided for themselves one day that, Hey, I want to get in shape and I want to be healthy. And they might not be doing things properly like the, the, you and I would say, but they still get the results. That's right. And a lot of these people have just decided for themselves, listen, there needs to be a change here. I'm going to make sure that I change my habits. I maybe change a job because it's making me really unhappy. I change my social group, which are not easy things to do, but make such a big impact that I find people don't put a lot of stock in. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. I think a lot of people need to get more in, in such an extrinsically motivated world. I think we need to all get a little more internal and take the time out of our day. You know, a lot of people complain about, and this is one of the things that I've learned from doing things like headspace and, and meditation, not as frequently as I'd like to do, but, but still from doing it is, is by getting internal we get more of that me time. A lot of people complain about, I don't have time. I don't have time for me, especially like I have, you know, kids and a family and, and a couple of businesses and running, and you were all running around crazy all the time. And we complain about not having that time. But if you can only take 10 minutes out of the day and get intrinsic, that will give you that me time with yourself, with your thoughts, with your breathing to be able to get control over those things. And it has a profound effect into every other area of your life so much so that it's it becomes easier to not get so wrapped up in all of the extrinsic, all of the scrolling feed of what everyone else is doing and being successful with and things that, that give you fear of missing out and, and fear, you know, the feelings that you're not good enough and you can't stack up to someone else and all of the things, this bullshit that we all go through, right? It's just, it's not, it's not real world stuff. So I think that that gratitude meditation is absolutely instrumental. I'm so glad you, you talked about it. Um, with that said, James, uh, what are you working on these days? How can people kind of find out more about you? Yeah. So now we're working, uh, it's going to be easier because we got like the online portion starting to, uh, starting to, to bloom a little bit. Um, you guys can find me on, on Facebook as uh, James Tonyarini. You can find me on Instagram, James.Tonyarini as well. I can, I can send you those links. Um, and frontlineconditioning.com, which is, is the company name. Um, right now we have uh, an online training group uh, that we got about four or five spots left uh, in which we use basically a, a system of strength and conditioning where the program is ongoing and changing every, every week or every two weeks to try to get everybody to feel as many different types of stimuli as possible, uh, to experience as many different types of training methods as possible, and have some nice, healthy competition within the other people in the group. So you get that cool community aspect that we were talking about with a solid strength and conditioning basis. Um, you can find that on, strength, uh, on frontlineconditioning.com, Great. as well as the sign up to the uh, five-point weekly newsletter in which we cover man, everything from A to Z and got, you know, questions coming in from clients every single time. 
So there's going to be a lot of new stuff coming out on that as well. Awesome. Well, all those links are going to be right down in the show notes. So make sure you guys, when you stop the car or, or at your desk, take time, scroll down into the show notes, go sign up for James newsletter. Make sure you check out his online training programs. If that's something that you're interested in, obviously he's a wealth of information, everything from strength training, nutrition, supplementation, uh, working with the best and the brightest, literally in the industry so much so that, um, you know, you, you've got to have some great programs out there. So I'm looking forward to learning more uh, myself and connecting with you again soon. And uh, thanks, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me, man. This was fun. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. We'll connect again soon. All right. See you later, man. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Did you love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show? Then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and review. And more importantly, share this with other men that you know are dedicated to leveling up in every area of their life by learning how to live healthier, more energetic, and productive lives so that they can optimize their health for their family and future. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about how you can work directly with Ben, then just head on over to www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up.